0: soft spot for kids, soft spot for impact, you know? Um, And I really thought to myself, like, how can I combine my passion for entrepreneurship with social impact? When I was kind of searching around for something, meditation had such a big impact on my life, I ended up finding all this research that nobody was talking about that shows that emotional states during and after pregnancy can significantly impact the health of a child, a baby, in ways that lasts a lifetime, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And it's just a huge gap in pre- and postnatal care. I mean, mental health can have a big, and as big an impact on baby health as nutrition and fitness. How amazing would society look if women had the knowledge that meditation was a tool that can really help them give their baby the best start in life and have, have tap them into their themselves, give them a healthier, happier pregnancy postpartum experience
1: welcome to rx chill pill the podcast that strengthens your resilient mind every time you listen to the extraordinary stories expert tips and meditations to elicit your relaxation response the antidote to your stress response i'm dr juna bobby i'm a physician and mom specializing in mind body and lifestyle medicine find out more about me my personalized online courses on procrastination and mindset coaching for kids teens, and adults at mindbodyspace.com. I'm so excited to have this conversation with Mark Krasner. He's the founder of Expectful, the meditation app for fertility, pregnancy, and parenthood. Since its founding, Expectful has partnered with several universities to conduct research on the relationship between a mother's mind and her baby's health we discuss how he came to his own meditation practice in his 20s and how it was instrumental in pivoting his career from an entrepreneur into a social entrepreneur. He says, quote, As my health, happiness, relationships, and professional life improved significantly, I recalled my mother's struggles with anxiety and depression when she was raising me. And I wondered if meditation might be an especially great tool for new moms. End quote. Mark dug into research papers and found the harmful effects of maternal anxiety and depression on the unborn baby. He also found evidence that meditation could help with fertility, pregnancy, and maternal health. Mark wanted to transform the lives of parents and the next generation, so he put together a team and created meditations. He relied on an army of moms for input and created Expectful app expectful has been rated best app for pregnancy and recommended by 20,000 plus moms and guides including fit pregnancy thrive global yoga journey well and good and the wall street journal mark talks about his road to entrepreneurship and how his college education did and didn't feed into this new role tuna bobby So Mark, I remember meeting you a couple of years ago when we were both um, giving a presentation at Mount Sinai, right?
0: That's that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, That was actually a really memorable moment because it was what people call a grand round. It's continued medical education um, that doctors do to keep up their license. Right. Of over, I believe it was 60 or 70 OBGYNs that we were communicating with. And it was really powerful because we both Mm -hmm. had these – I don't know if you call them alternative messages, but certainly not the types of messages that these doctors would typically hear about. Mount Sinai com- is—they com- have uh, New York City's largest birthing center—and um, th- it was just such a profound opportunity I felt to make a real difference in this, in t- for those practitioners to talk about really maternal and postnatal mental health, um, which it's it, to me is the biggest gap in pre and postnatal care right now. It's just not an area that's typically addressed by healthcare professionals in the space. There's lots of focus put on the body, but so little put on the mind. And so it was just such a cool thing to be there with all those practitioners and having them really give us their time and attention to talk about this stuff.
1: I know. And you know you know what I remember, actually? What's that? I remember getting stuck in the worst traffic and having to like, I think I texted you and asked if we could switch. And I just remember you being so wonderful and sweet and kind about it.
0: Uh, <laughs> That's
1: actually what I remember about that day. Your kindness.
0: Oh, thank you. I actually forgot about it, but now that you bring it up, I do remember you asking to switch. And I was like, okay, let's roll with it.
1: Um, we met for coffee afterwards and I remember you telling me about why you started this whole um, expectful thing, but I was really interested in the idea that you're you've been an entrepreneur most of your adult life, right?
0: That's correct. Yeah.
1: So when you, you studied communications um, in college, mm-hmm. what was the first thing you did when you get out, got out of college?
0: When I got out of school, uh, um, I was bartending at Dave and Buster's. Do you know Dave and Buster's? No, <laughs> no. Dave yeah. and Buster's is like a Chuck E. Cheese for adults. <laughs> okay. So they have a bar with all these crazy drinks and f- like food, kind of like, uh, maybe like an Applebee's or TGI Friday's-esque, you uh-huh. know, maybe, maybe a little more like sparkly than theirs. They had a lot of interesting dishes and stuff like that, but you get the vibe. And <laughs> yeah. attached to it was this crazy arcade with, uh, they had pool tables and not hockey, but all these games for adults that they could play. Mm-hmm. And, and so this was right after school. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I just backpacked around the Pacific Rim. Nice. And I, I had a one-way plane ticket to Argentina, and I just spent four and a half months, turned it into this surfing trip, got back, and I just had bartended mm-hmm. through college, and it's what I knew how to do. And I just found a, I found a job at this place in my local mall, the Palisades Mall in Rockland County,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: picked up this bartending uh, job position there, and was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, actually. Which is probably not the answer that you would have expected to hear, Juna. Right? <laughs>
1: no, not at all. I mean, it's fine, but I'm just, I, it sounds like an entrepreneur's story, actually.
0: <laughs> so, right, what, like.
1: what snapped you from that into what was your first business or what did you do after that?
0: Well, I got fired from David Buster's.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I know why we're kindred souls because I've been fired from waitressing jobs.
0: Uh, oh, love it. Why'd okay. you get fired? So, um, they had a very, so you can come in there, uh, families would come in, right? And so obviously yeah. it was like, you know, uh, anyone could get in, but 21 to drink. And if, so a family came up to the bar, right? It was uh, two parents and their daughter, uh, who looked like she could have easily been 21 and they <laughs> ordered, they ordered a few drinks and, um, because the parents were there and they ordered, they ordered a pina colada w- among mm-hmm. other drinks that they ordered and so I served them and they never specified that they wanted a virgin pina colada for their daughter who was under age. So I, <laughs> I served it to them and then a bouncer sees her walking around with the pina colada and asks for her ID. Oh
1: in my gosh. Space.
0: She doesn't have one and they have a very strict policy about this. So I got let go. I got the only job I ever got fired for was right after I was out of college, after I got my college degree <laughs> from the university of Buffalo. And uh-huh. suddenly I'm out of a job because I mistakenly served this, um, this drink unknowingly wow. to somebody who's underage. Yeah. So, wow.
1: and you know, I'm happy as a mom to hear that they're so strict about that, right, but, <laughs>
0: right. but it turned out that it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because uh-huh. it would have looked considerably different if I didn't get let go from that position when I did, uh-huh. because my best friend from college was doing a, he took a year off in between college and med school. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he was working, he was, he's, he's now a doctor, uh, an emergency medicine doctor, and he was working at an orthopedic surgeon's office in his year off to get some experience and see what was going on. Right. And he would meet a lot of people through that, including the sales reps that would come in. And he, he'd always tell me about, one, he thought my personality was perfectly suited to be a medical device sales rep. Well, he would always tell me about this. Mark, you'd be so great at this. You know, it's really, it's actually transferable from bartending if you think about it, because it was very personable position. You meet a lot of people. You get, you hear people's stories. That's really a lot of.
1: Well, you were also a communications
0: major. That's correct. Yes, yes. Did that help you? Not really, to be honest. You know, it's it's (laughs) one of my again. I I know I'm throwing you a few curveballs on this interview here. Yeah, no, it's fine. But um, when I was in school, I really just wanted to get a degree. I didn't really have a uh-huh. specific area that I, the specific thing I was interested in. And I was always good with communicating. Mm-hmm. And so I just opted into this major because I thought it would be a, a great way to just get through, get through college. Basically, you know, I wasn't really in a place where I was, I didn't know what my vocation was. You know, I was just trying to get um, a degree, which I thought was important something that would be important to have for my life, but it wasn't, it right. wasn't like, Oh, I know what I want to do for the rest of my life. I, communication was broad enough that it wouldn't pigeonhole me, which is really what I was looking for. Um, uh-huh. But I, I would say the skills that I learned in college about interacting with people and you know thing, things of that nature um, were helpful. But I would say that it,
1: so that's it, interesting it, to me. So like you, you totally don't fall back on anything that you learned in school. You think
0: I, I like would say I would say that pretty much no. There's some, psycholo- wow. some psychology okay. stuff that I found to be very some uh-huh. philosophy stuff that broadened my mind, which I was very interested in. Uh-huh. But that was my, actually my freshman year of college is when I took philosophy. And it was just a really interesting course that helped expand my thinking. And I took an, an right. another course called Psychohistory that talked about how different cohorts of society or different societies are, are impacted um, by uh-huh. what's going on in the culture and how that affects things. So we, we studied World War II from a, almost like we psychologically impact what was going on Uh with people during that time versus the normal way you look at history, which is through, um, economics basically. Um, right. So those things were really interesting, but I would say that, no, I I'd say I could probably have done everything that I've done with my career. Uh, if nobody required a college degree, which actually my first position, I don't think I, I basically think I could have done everything that I've done without a college degree in my life. That is so interesting. I took a very circuitous route to get to where I am. My parents were definitely very concerned at the time, I think, <laughs> of my lack of direction. Couldn't hold down a, a bartending job at Dave & Buster's. But, uh-huh. but but then
1: I know you went into that whole um, orthopedic field, right? you right. And you, did, you started your own company. I
0: did. Well, first I ended up, through my friend, I ended up getting a job with a medical device sales company
1: Um, Uh And
0: I did that for a while. First, I supported a sales team, then I was on it, then I managed it, and then I trained reps for the company that I worked for. So I I had a Mm -hmm. real knack for that. And along the lines, I I ended up seeing an opportunity to um, start a business that sold a a product that would, a niche medical mobility device that helped people with foot and ankle injuries. Mm -hmm. And um, I did that for quite some time. And the main motivation with that was really lifestyle. You know, I started the business... Um, to earn or ha- earn money and be location independent was the main goal. So I started this thing. It was a completely remote team um, from all over the United States. It was actually a lot of moms that wanted the opportunity to work from home, which was great to give them a really awesome position. And yay, moms! Right,
1: I love moms.
0: Right, me and you both, <laughs> <Shuna>. Yeah. <laughs>
1: How did you meet all these moms that you hired? How did we... <laughs> did you hang out with moms somewhere?
0: You know, okay. So when I first started the business, we, we were a mm-hmm. rental company. So we bought this product called a knee walker from mm-hmm. um, other manufacturers and, and we sold them. So I had to... I started the business with my own money. So I had to figure out how to do it um, lean in a lean way, right? And mm-hmm. so... And I didn't want to immediately quit my job to start the business because I wanted to make sure that it was working and my salary would have been a lot to support for a fledgling startup. So mm-hmm. I found um, a mom in Pennsylvania who used to work for my company and left because she wanted to focus on being a mom and be home with her children. And mm-hmm. I bought her on and she had a huge basement. And the way the company started is we bought our initial inventory and stored them in her basement. And we had mm-hmm. FedEx come to her home once a day to pick up any orders that she got. And we had a 1-800 number that routed to her cell phone
1: mm-hmm. so she
0: could take orders from anywhere. And um, and that's how it kind of started. I put brochures out in all the doctor's offices that I worked with that wanted to help and support me. And um, the business kind of started that way. And then as we grew, it got to be too much for the initial woman we hired, Jody, the initial mom. And so then we... Um, I hired a second mom who same thing. She Mm -hmm. wanted the opportunity to work from home, be with her children. So, but you knew them in person? No, I met them. I met them them through the first one I knew through people in my network. Right. Uh And then the second person I met, same thing through people in my network. And then, Mm -hmm. and then we said, Oh, there's a really good thing here because, um, moms are looking for the opportunity to work from home and they, they're great. They're great team members to have. And so then we started looking for them in different places. And, it turns out that work from home jobs is a, a thing that like moms are really looking for a lot of the time. So they yeah, take the time with their for sure, in, and we were able to provide that for them through the position. Um, so we ended up. So if there are moms listening and
1: they want to get jobs <clears throat> that they can do from home, where would they hang out? Like online
0: you know, there, to find uh, people like you. It's been a while. Um, I think there's a cycle hire my It was, it was up. And we definitely found some members of our team from that site. But we also posted mm-hmm. in places like Indeed and things like that. But I think they're job boards specifically for people who want to be location independent. And I think it's just But a- not for moms specifically. Not for moms specifically. But we weren't necessarily hiring moms specifically. It's just the people that we ended up hiring were moms. You know I think I mean?
1: that's that would be an amazing business opportunity. Just get moms. Because they're they're like a special breed, right? <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> I
0: mean moms are they're superheroes, truly. Absolutely, yeah. So, so I did that for a while, and as while I was doing that, I kind of, I kind of reached the goal that I set for that business, which was I wanted to be anywhere in the world and being able not not be like tied down to a specific location and live a comfortable life or uh, you know live well.
1: That's and, and
0: I found myself in Brazil. Oh wow! And I was working in between surf sessions, uh-huh. and so I kind of achieved this "quote unquote" dream. Yeah, and I felt kind. I I felt kind of empty. Actually, it wasn't. I wasn't as happy as I expected to be. Well, the reason that I was dissatisfied is because it felt a little. It was really all about me. You know, I felt really good about how well we took care of our team because. Well, this is if anybody's listening and wants the opportunity to work from home, you should know that a lot of times companies really exploit people in those positions, Uh and um, you know they're just. I heard a lot of stories from our team members about the way that they were treated, so it felt really good to create an awesome employment space for them or, you know, a nice culture where they were really valued and had the opportunity for growth and things like bonuses and raises and stuff like that, you uh-huh, know, that uh-huh. um, a lot of other companies out there, unfortunately, are, don't afford that opportunity. I'm sure there are plenty of great opportunities out there. We just found that was something that, that I heard a lot. But aside from that, it was really all about Mark and his lifestyle, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I'd started a not-for-profit with a good friend that supported underserved elementary schools in the Philippines with lunches because a lot of kids in these remote part of the Philippines in an island called Cebu were malnourished because they didn't have food to bring to school or a, a lot of it or good food to bring to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really lit up by that experience of being a part of that, going out to the Philippines. So you were seeing, out there. I was out there wow. briefly just to see the impact of the donations of the schools, you know? Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful area. Great people too. And you've done other startups, right? Uh, well, aside from those, were the two. I, I also um, sat on the board of kindness.org for a while. But my mm-hmm. main, my, the two things that I So wrote, that
1: was kindness, right? Kindness.org. Kindness.org, kindness. Kindness. Uh-huh. right.
0: But it was, so it was uh-huh. the, the walker business and then the not for profit that I got involved in with a good friend. And it was a not for profit mm-hmm. that really made me realize that I could be a lot happier if I was doing something that contributed to people more than just myself. Because the the Mm -hmm. feeling I got, if we had a great sales month at my other business, it was actually nothing compared to the satisfaction that I got out of raising money for these kids or seeing the looks on their faces when we opened a new school and they all got this amazing lunch for the first time, you know? Mm -hmm. And so... So you have like a
1: soft spot for kids, right? Soft
0: spot for kids, soft spot for impact, you know? Uh Um, And I really thought to myself, like, how can I combine my passion for entrepreneurship with social impact? And mm-hmm. that's when I was kind of searching around for something. Meditation had such a big impact on my life. And I ended up um finding all this research that nobody was talking about that shows that emotional states during and after pregnancy can significantly impact um the health of a child, a baby in ways that last a lifetime, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And right. as we spoke about when we first got our conversation going. It's just a huge gap in pre and postnatal care. I mean, mental health can have a big and as big an impact on baby health as nutrition and fitness, and yet there's tons of focus on nutrition and fitness and prenatal vitamins and things like that. But the conversation. Well, you
1: know, also, if you don't have mental health, then you're not going to do. Um, you're not going to exercise yes. or <laughs> eat as well, That's correct. right? Yeah. So, um, I when did you start meditating, and why? I started.
0: As a young man. Yeah, I started meditating about, I think it's almost eight years ago now. And I was, I was just going mm-hmm. through a rough time in my life. I, I got out of a, a serious relationship with somebody that I'd lived with. And uh, I was riding a lot of emotional waves as a result of that. So I turned to meditation, hoping it would help me cope. And mm-hmm. at first, I wasn't sure if it was really doing anything for me. And about six weeks into my practice, I was biking to uh, a, an appointment that I was running late for. And I pulled mm-hmm. my bike up outside of the meeting place and I went to go lock it and my lock was getting jammed. It, w- it wasn't working. And for mm-hmm. whatever reason, that would have been the type of situation that would just have crawled under my skin and I would have lost my cool. And typically right. I would have started jamming mm-hmm. one end of the lock into the other as hard as I could and, and would, got, would have gotten really red and it would have grunted a lot, right? I would have just mm-hmm. lost it. Yeah. And in this particular moment, I looked at the lock And I took a deep breath and I made a conscious decision not to get frustrated. I I saw the frustration beginning to arise within me. And I said, I don't want to feel this way. And instead Mm -hmm. of being overcome with frustration, I, again, took a deep breath, focused more intently on the lock, made it come together gently instead of forcefully. um, And probably at like three times the speed, you know, or yeah, I probably sped up the amount of time it would have taken to lock it. It happened very fast once I got present and focused i had a moment where i said oh that was my meditation practice showing up for me and when i saw that real world result and saw the opportunity to have such Mm -hmm. a gap between stimulus and response and to be able to change my reactions to things then i was hooked and um yeah that was really the beginning
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what about like relationship wise did you see
0: any difference when you started to meditate um well i was single at the time you know but i think just in general with friends and people yeah I started to become a lot more aware of things. I think um a lot of my life was very unconscious. I was unaware of a lot of the decisions I was making. Uh I wasn't very um discriminant about the relationships that I I had like with friendships um and th- and things of that nature. And so, and even even work mm-hmm. is a great example because I think my life was just. I think a lot of things were just very unexamined. That meditation, sort of, when I became present, I started to examine these things. Like I started examining how do I actually feel at work, right? And so I was able to check in with mm-hmm. myself to see, oh, I'd probably feel a lot better if I was doing something that had purpose. I was I was actually aware enough to realize that, you know, aware aware enough mm-hmm. to realize that maybe some people that were in my life at the time weren't the right people to have in my life to be as happy and productive as I could possibly be, you know, and
1: right. And um, what about surfing though? Surfing is kind of meditative, isn't it? Like you just you have to be in the moment.
0: Yes. To surf, that is correct. So you surf a lot. Do you still surf? I love to. I'm honestly not that great at uh-huh. it. <laughs> um, and <laughs> really, yeah, and I, but I enjoy it when I do. And and I'm uh-huh. here in Brooklyn, so I don't do it as much as I'd like. But I, I've <laughs> I've done it on trips, so I've done a lot of surfing in Brazil, and Costa Rica, and Nicaragua. And I like to go out to California and and ride waves sometimes, Um, but I'd love to live by a surf beach and really adopt that more. But I, I, it is an incredibly meditative experience. And I find that, um, yeah, I do generate a lot of those Zen-like states when I surf. It's not just meditation that could take me there.
1: So how is it different when you're like a physically forced into um, a meditative state versus the kind of peace that you get when you're sitting meditating. And I guess I should say like sometimes when you're sitting, you're not always
0: in peace, right? That's true. Just kind of. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Um, it really depends on the moment. It kind of like meditation when you're surfing, the conditions vary, uh, the quality of the waves vary, the experience varies. And so it really depends. Um, I think if I'm reaching the apex of a meditation or I'm reaching the apex of a surfing session, they might not be that different. I I would just say that the surfing is probably a bit more gratifying because it's this beautiful interaction with myself, which I get through meditation, but also with nature. So there's a lot of times Mm -hmm. I love to surf during the sunset. And so the the sun is setting and it's glimmering, it's shimmering over the water and I'm interacting with the water. I'm riding, I'm actually riding water on my surfboard um, and I'm interacting Mm -hmm. with nature in this beautiful way. So if I had a choice between the two it's surfing, Mm-hmm. But both, yeah, both create like just beautiful states of mind and relieve a lot of tension and stress and keeping in the present moment.
1: Mm-hmm. And I know you um, trained with, uh, I think Tom Knowles, or you did a mantra meditation. <laughs> yeah, I do. Is that what you learned how yeah, to do? Yeah, I
0: actually trained with Emily Fletcher, who was a st- who trained with Tom That's Knowles, correct. right? Yeah.
1: Tom Knowles is actually my meditation oh, teacher. Oh wow!
0: Cool, amazing
1: the meditation that he taught me was one of the most efficacious for me and i know there's many different types so i'm not saying that there's one way to Mm -hmm. do it um the way he taught me was i found to be the most relaxing and and the most Mm -hmm. easiest for me and how did you find it was incredible I went to him because somebody told me about him um, and I just happened to just, I, I'm just interested in get, getting to know all different types of meditation. Got it. So that's why I ended up in one of his talks. Oh, beautiful. Talks.
0: You know, so his meditation, like you said, he calls it Vedic meditation. That's his technique for your listeners. And it's very similar to a different technique that's a bit more popular called transcendental meditation. Um, but they're yeah. both mantra-based. They both... Um, You you repeat a a Sanskrit word to yourself um, for twenty minutes, and when you realize you're not, inevitably you'll start thinking. You want to bring your mind back to that mantra very gently, and you're Mm -hmm. just both of them encourage you to do it twenty minutes twice a day. It's a specific type of meditation technique that um, I've certainly enjoyed. You know, I practice other types as well, but Vedic meditation is a great way to relieve stress.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I trained at uh the Benson Henry Institute at Mind Body Medicine at Harvard. Um, and Dr. Benson, everybody always asks him, and he was he actually did his research on uh mantra meditators, and it was to lower yeah. blood pressure. Everybody always asks him, like, what is the minimum amount of time that I have to sit? Mm. In order to get the benefits, the physiologic benefits, mental benefits, and he always says like 17 and a half minutes oh, wow. <laughs> is the minimum that they've seen uh, changes on the MRI scan of your cortex. So when I did train at the Benson Henry Institute, they did talk about doing 20 minutes twice a day. And I know that that's uh, what you yeah, do. On, a,
0: on good days, you know, I mean, on great uh-huh. days, I'll meditate for an hour in the morning. That's like my favorite, you know? Wow, um, which is just so awesome. But um, uh-huh. my ideal is twenty minutes twice a day. But a lot of times, like this morning, I was short on time. I chose to be in the gym um more than I chose to meditate. You know, I was, I was since I was short on time, I did a five minute meditation instead of my usual minimum of twenty. Um, but I'll, I'll probably meditate later today. So I don't always get twenty sure. minutes twice a day. But I will say that my life runs optimally well on twenty minutes twice a day. It is like that the second meditation midday is mm-hmm. like the greatest life hack forget about pop.
1: oh yeah you do it in the oh, afternoon oh gosh then, right? yeah
0: it's um gives me yeah. so much energy to power through the day so much better than a cup of coffee there's no letdown. it just gives so much energy um
1: right but as you said like sometimes you just only have five minutes and then you want to do your exercise and that's fine exactly. too. exactly
0: yeah it really depends on and, your on your preferences i mean if you have the time definitely i mean but yeah,
1: and what what do you what do you use mostly? Do you use like a recording, or do you um, sit Lately on your it's been own? Vedic,
0: so just the mantra, I'll repeat the mantra to myself. Um, I really like um, the waking up app by Sam Harris is great. So I've done, but I really like that, and I really think that for any um, hopeful, pregnant, or new moms listening, I think expectful is an it's really it's a really great resource that we put together. It's one of a kind. It's the only one like it. Um, and there are meditations for, for example, for fertility, if you're trying to conceive for the two week wait, uh, and other typical challenges that arise, we're about to launch an IVF library of meditations there. Um, we have for pregnancy, a meditation for every single week of pregnancy that connects you with the developmental changes with your baby, uh, meditations to help you connect with your baby meditations to help you connect with your partner.
1: Yeah, it sounds amazing. And I'm definitely going to have notes on it how is expectful it's going, going right now are you still privately we're, we're, owned we took on and... some
0: investor capital so we have some shareholders that are part of the company um Fantastic. yeah we love our investors um and it's just been an mm-hmm. exciting time we keep adding to our library we, we're really listening to our audience you know we actually never touched on that i don't have kids come to think of it but i interviewed a lot of women and we had a bunch of like moms inform the product that are you know have been on the team or are on the team for things that they need and want to see in the platform. And we're adding it. So recently we launched um, a whole library of meditations just for um, pregnancy loss for miscarriage and stillbirth.
1: I yeah, saw that. That's I amazing. It that
0: feels so good to put out there because there's so few resources to support that community. Um, and one in five, one in five pregnancies, one in five women are going to experience a uh, miscarriage or one, in, not even one in five women. It's one in five pregnancies. So it could even be more than that.
1: I know. Yeah. So let's go back to um, why you started Expectful. I mean, you know that my whole thing is about prevention, right? Yes. And if I can have my way, I would, well, first I would reach the moms. Then I would reach the kids at certain times in their lives that are critical, you know, going into school and transition from middle to high school. And you're what you're doing is awesome because you're actually going all the way back for until when the mom is actually pregnant.
0: Yes, yes, so exactly.
1: I love that you're doing that.
0: Yeah, when I found, I just found all this research that nobody was talking about, right. that we spoke about, the mind baby connection, what I would call it, and realized it's a totally unaddressed area. And I got very connected to that, as we spoke about, because of my connection to my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom grew up in a very traumatic environment as a child and has struggled with anxiety and depression and anger. And the thought was, is one, how amazing would society look if women had the knowledge that meditation was a tool that can really help them give their baby the best start in life, and have have, tap them into their themselves, give them a healthier, happier pregnancy and postpartum experience, and then had a tool to make the practice really easy, right? To make it really simple to learn and, and practice, and. So, on the societal level, that was just such an incredible thought. Like you're saying, to start so early and have children raised by mindful parents. And then, personally speaking, I was saying to myself, how cool would it have been if my mom had a tool like this and had knowledge like this? What might her life have looked like? Because meditation totally changed my life. And where is she? she's in a great place um in her life she's retired in florida with my father mm-hmm. um she's take, she's been taking antidepressants for the past decade you know and she's she's happy with that mm-hmm. in her life but the, the thought is is oh maybe she could have found a more holistic you know way to navigate things that would be really cool you know and does um, she
1: know what you're doing now does she like what
0: you've oh, put out there lo- in the world she loves it yeah she does loves she it. use it she's really <laughs> proud well you know it's we're for new moms so we're really for like uh-huh. the first three years of motherhood okay it. so it's not really uh-huh. a product for my mom um mm-hmm. but yeah we've something when i go home sometimes we'll sit and we'll meditate together you know so she
1: meditates now
0: she does a little bit she's more indulging me when i'm there she's never developed a practice <laughs> herself. but uh-huh. i think you know in speaking out loud i should probably do a better job of getting her into the practice right I don't know. I mean, I guess if she if she's open to it, right? So, yeah, I try not to be too prescriptive or give too much advice, you know. Uh huh. But I'd love to see her adopt more of the practice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, medication is great when you need it, but definitely meditation on top of medication <laughs> is even yeah. better, or can substitute and prevent things. So, yeah. Thank you so much, and and if we ever could meet up for coffee, I'd love that.
0: That sounds great. All right, Jenna. All right, Mark. Okay. Thank you, Gina. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: That was Mark, social entrepreneur, showing us that you can make a difference by building businesses that help other people. Since we recorded this episode, Expectful has been growing exponentially with new rounds of investors and an exciting new CEO, Natalie Walton. She discovered evidence-based wellness tools, including meditation, when she found out that she was high risk for preterm labor. She used Expectful during her pregnancy, and shortly after giving birth, she partnered with them and began advising them. As a Black woman, Natalie also understands that the rate of Black mothers dying at childbirth are three to four times that of white mothers, and she's working to get Expectful into the hands of women who need it the most. They've also partnered with Johnson & Johnson in their Helping Hands program to give memberships to anyone in need. Find out more about the Expectful app and get your exclusive RX Chill Pill 14-day trial in the show notes at mindbodyspace.com. Podcast episode number 60. Thank you so much for listening. Look out for the upcoming Monday meditation inspired by Mark for Moms. As always, you can email me at podcast at mindbodyspace.com with questions for myself or my guests on our new Tuesday Q&A segment starting in 2021. This is Dr. Juna wishing you and your loved ones wellness.